find this podcast and others like it at the number one new media network, Podshow.com. Better, Better, faster, faster, stronger. stronger. And now with new minty fresh scent. The Bible Study Podcast, episode 21. Today on the Bible Study Podcast, the crucifixion story from Luke 23. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. In case you're not aware of what Good Friday is, Good Friday is the day when the Church remembers Jesus' crucifixion and death, while Easter is the day that we remember His resurrection. And so this seemed like an appropriate day to look at some of the verses, particularly this time from Luke 23, about the crucifixion. We know a little bit about crucifixion because it was a common practice in the Roman Empire. It was a way that was invented by the Romans to kill criminals, and particularly to kill criminals who were not Roman citizens. This was not something that could happen to you if you were a Roman citizen, because it was an agonizing, torturous way to die. During the Spartacus slave rebellion, the Romans crucified over a thousand different slaves who were took part in the rebellion and spread the crosses along the road between Rome and some of the neighboring towns. And so crucifixion was intended to be a deterrent. It was a very public, very painful way to die. And the mechanics of crucifixion are well known. Basically, someone would be nailed to a cross by their, we say their hands, it's probably more likely their wrists. And they would be often nailed and sometimes tied by their feet. In Jesus' case, we are told that he was nailed by his feet. And the way that somebody dies in crucifixion is that they suffocate. Basically, as the weight of your body is hanging on these two nails in your wrists, you eventually can't breathe and you die. And so what happens is, as you need to take a breath, you need to push yourself up on this wound, on this nail in your feet, so that you can breathe. And it seems like a fairly gruesome or graphic thing for me to be saying, but it's relevant to this particular story as we read some of these verses. Because anything that Jesus says during this crucifixion in the Bible records seven different things he says some of them are recorded here in the Luke chapter anything that he says here he has to say while standing on the nail in his feet anything he says he says while he is in agony and more particular agony to get the breath to speak to the crowd some of the other gospels say that later on when they want to speed up the death of the two people who are on either side of Jesus, they break their legs. And the reason for that is they don't want them to be able to push themselves up to get a breath, and so it speeds up the process. With that being said, let's read parts of Luke 23, starting in verse 26. As they led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you say, Blessed are the barren women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if men do these things when the tree is green, what will they do when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. 
and they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others, so let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was written a notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and the darkness came over the land until the ninth hour, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance and watched these things. The first thing we see in this story is Jesus carrying the cross. And usually we picture him carrying the whole cross, but more likely he was just carrying the cross piece that his hands would be nailed to, as that is more traditionally what happened. But he doesn't even have the strength to carry that, because by this point, Besides being unjustly accused in a kangaroo court, basically an illegal trial that happened in the middle of the night with no two witnesses that could agree on things, he has also been scourged by the Romans, which means that he has been whipped with a whip that is designed to tear the flesh from his body. And he has been whipped probably 39 times, because 40 times would kill you. And so he has given the 39 as intention that that would be the punishment that he would suffer. If you look in the earlier verses, Pilate scourges him and then presents him to the crowd thinking that he has done punishing him. You would not generally punish someone that way and then crucify them. And he has also had this crown of thorns placed on his head and beaten down, and so he is bloodied already as he stands there and doesn't have the strength, probably due to blood loss, to even carry this cross piece all the way to the cross. He gets to the cross, he is nailed there, as we said, he is raised up, and he is hanging in agony on these nails in his hands, and the first thing he does is he pushes himself up on that nail in his feet, and he says, Father, forgive them. This, I think, gives us the standard for forgiveness that Christ calls us to. That he can look down still at this point from the cross and look at the people who are doing this to him, look at the chief priests who are mocking him, look at the soldiers who have put in the nails, looking at the crowds who have abandoned him, and he can say, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. I think at that point, Jesus sets the bar for the church. This is the forgiveness that he calls us to. And I think that it's a forgiveness that we fall short of time and time again. The next picture in the story is the taunting of Jesus. By the soldiers, by the crowds, he saved others, let him save himself. By the chief priests and the rulers, 
this sign above him that's that looks at this bloody beaten man and says this is the king of the jews is clearly meant as an insult both of the jews and of mockery of jesus and then there's this scene where the two criminals start talking to jesus themselves in agony and one says aren't you the christ save yourself and us and the other one rebukes him don't you fear god he says since you are under the same sentence we are punished justly we are getting what our deeds deserve but this man has done nothing wrong and turns to jesus and says remember me when you come into your kingdom and jesus again pushes himself up on this nail in his feet and in the agony he says i tell you the truth today you will be with me in paradise Now, let me rephrase that. He turns, and in his agony, he turns to a man who has already said his deeds are so bad that he deserves death, and he admits it. He's talking to a man in the process of being crucified, this terrible, public, horrible, painful death, who says, I deserved to be here. And Jesus turns to this man and says, Today you will be with me in paradise. Why does he do that? Did you see the faith in this criminal? In the midst of his suffering, he looks over at Jesus, this beaten, bloodied person, and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He is the only person in the world at this point, I think, who takes that sign, this is the king of the Jews, who takes that sign that says, this is a king, that this person has a kingdom, and he, and he takes it seriously. As far as we can tell, most of the disciples have fled Jesus at this point. The crowds don't believe in him. The soldiers are mocking him. The rulers are mocking him. And this guy says, I believe you are a king. I believe you have a kingdom. I believe you are going there. Take me with you. And Jesus looks back at this guy and does not see what he has done. He sees that faith. And again, Jesus shows both that forgiveness that he has showed before and he, that grace to give what is not deserved. And he sees the faith of this person. He says, today you will be with me in paradise. And then finally we have this last scene where Jesus dies. And there's a significant thing that happens in this. And it's not necessarily the darkness, which was probably the most significant thing to the people who were standing there. But it's probably when the curtain of the temple is torn in two. This is the curtain that separates the holiest of holies. This is the curtain that separates that area that only the high priest can go to and only once a year. And that place where they understood God to dwell. That place that you can't go to because you can't be in the presence of an almighty and righteous God. And with Jesus' death, that curtain, that barrier between us and God is ripped in two. So when Jesus calls out to his Father and says, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit, he's finished. He has done what he needed to do. He has come to break down that barrier, and he has done it by his death. He has done it by taking the penalty, not just of that criminal on his right, but of all of the deeds that we have done. 
and he has taken them on himself, and he has taken the penalty for what we deserve. And by doing so, he has broken down that barrier between us and God. He has allowed God, who is righteous, but also loving, to forgive us. And that's the message of Good Friday. Thanks so much for listening. The best and the brightest, served up daily by the sharpest minds in content delivery, Podshow and Limelight. There's no better way to start your day than spending time in God's Word and in prayer. Don't know where to start? We have a free daily prayer podcast created to help you do just that. The Your Daily Prayer podcast delivers a thoughtful, devotional, and timely prayer to you seven days a week. Gain inspiration, faith, and encouragement with daily messages in 10 minutes or less. To start listening now, search Your Daily Prayer on your favorite podcast app or visit lifeaudio.com.